Good evening. Um, we've got two readings. First is a short one. Can you hear me? Not really. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So the first is a short one from John chapter 13, verses 33 to 35. This is Jesus speaking. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And the second reading is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the well-known chapter. I will try and do it justice. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Two pages. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. May the Lord bless his word. Did you recognise yourself in that love chapter? <laughs> Lots of it that we can say, well, not tick, tick the boxes in some of those uh, particular aspects, but hmm, it's difficult to keep them all, isn't it? Um, and this morning we've been looking at a series of ten common Christian values which we believe are crucial to the spiritual growth in any church. Now, you may find on the stand out there the, um, the church magazine called The Bridge. And in The Bridge, you will find those ten values written into an article. I think it's on page three. Uh, and they're in the bookstall, if you want, the stand, if you want to go and have a look at them. Um, those values are believing... This is going to go wrong, you know that. Believing, <laughs> worshipping, praying, belonging, serving, witnessing, giving, learning, supporting and transforming. That's ten values. And we believe that's at the core and the heart of everything that a Christian encompasses in the way they, in which they live their life. 
And it certainly is a tremendous benefit and blessing where a church is uh, exhibiting these values and living in them. Now, again, I don't expect that they're going to be 100% any more than we can keep that love, that love chapter list 100%. But the point is, if we are trying, if we are coming to God and, and, and committing our lives to him and seeking to live out this uh, way of life, which he endorses, obviously, as it's in his word, then there can be nothing but blessing, not just to the church, but to us. And uh, where we are living in this way, we will, we will uh, receive blessing from God and a deeper relationship with him. So grab a church magazine on the way out and uh, have a read. Each, each, each item has got a little bit written by it. So it would be interesting to compare uh, and uh, to uh, just, just read along there. And we have looked at number nine this morning, which is supporting so obviously that's what we're going to be looking at today is this aspect of supporting. The church article in the magazine broadens out the subject by adding that supporting is not only for ourselves, that's where we tend to focus on it, but also for our leaders and elders, which is not where we generally focus on it. In supporting elders, we're, we often think of the role and quality of the people we appoint and whom God anoints. I'm quite keen on that. It's a hobby horse of mine that I believe that whatever we do in God, we are anointed for and not appointed for. Um, Well, we do get appointed, but that should be secondary. The anointing comes first. When that's recognised, then uh, we can be appointed for a particular role. Um, And 1 Timothy tells us what kind of person an elder must be. Interesting reading if you want to go there. Um, I'm not going to develop that. But also, uh, bishop, overseer and shepherd are used as alternatives to describe the position of elders. Now, different from this morning, I'm going to ask you, what qualities would you want your elders to have? Just drop that on you, so I had a little thing. What sort of qualities would you want your elders to have? Honesty. Honesty? Yeah. Without that, it's hypocrisy, I guess. Honesty, one. Wisdom. Sorry? Wisdom. Wisdom, essential, especially for what I'm going to say in a minute. Yes, wisdom, essential. Humility. Yes, humility. Good. Not judgmental, yeah, yeah. That would be awful, wouldn't it, if uh, if that was if we had elders with that. How about in their attitude towards God? Prayerful. Prayerful? Without that, we're not going to get very far, are we? Uh, how about love? How about commitment? If someone said commitment. So I've got one or two things down here, commitment, love, grace, humility, understanding, wisdom. You've added more to it. So we have an expectation that uh, when we appoint elders under the, under the anointing of God, that they should be a particular kind of person. Not just anyone that's walked in off the street or that has suddenly decided that's what I'd like to do. 
They have to be somebody who God has set up. And in that sense, we would not look to uh, appoint elders in this church unless we knew them and knew them well. Uh, and I believe that the scripture says, lay hands on no man suddenly, where you can look at that scripture in a number of ways, but it certainly applies to the position of eldership. Don't push anyone into it. <laughs> it isn't going to be any good for them or for the church. Wait until God makes it quite obvious who you have, and then um, through prayer uh, and, and wisdom and so on, bring them forward to the church. The church, at the end of the day... Uh, Points the elders. Uh, in, oh, we've got a meeting in two weeks' time, haven't we? We've got an AGM coming up. Um, I'm not sure I haven't seen that any names are forward for uh, eldership, but that's where they would be uh, uh, ratified. What attitudes, then, would you not want your elders to have? I mean, it's kind of the opposite, isn't it? But why don't, why don't we think of some of the things we wouldn't want them to be? You, did you say uh, non-judgmental? So we wouldn't want them to be arrogant. We wouldn't want them to be... Proud. Pardon? Proud. Yeah, that's what's down there. Proud. We wouldn't, would we? That would get them nowhere. That, pr- that pride counsels out humility. Without humility, it's impossible to please God and it's impossible to operate correctly in the Holy Spirit. Um, but also, I think, um, without, uh, if, what do we say, arrogance, pride. And with pride, it counsels out wisdom quite often because a person becomes domineering. And we wouldn't want them to be too authoritative, would we? Oh dear, <laughs> anyone <laughs> feeling that God's calling them <laughs> into eldership? We got most of them this morning. Uh, but apart from having the right qualities um, for the job of elder, uh, uh, an elder's part is to lead the church. And elders as shepherds, same name, same thought, are responsible for pastoral care. And we looked at it this morning, and this is quite uh, quite an interesting thing to talk about. Uh, so they're responsible for pastoral care. And as an elder, I can tell you, I found uh, that pastoral care was the most difficult role uh, uh, that I had to face or, 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 or move in, in terms of eldership. Yeah, 1 Peter 5 verse 2 says it is a very much... A part of eldership duty, pastoral uh, activity uh, and responsibility. But when we think of supporting elders, we don't often think of the pastoral part, do we? We often pray for them that they would have the wisdom to lead the church, that we would be able to listen and hear uh, and receive direction from God. That's something we would do uh, quite readily. But in terms of carrying out pastoral duties, well, I'm not sure that we think about that very often. Now, let's have a look at this and see uh, how we can unpack it. Let's suppose that one of us isn't living our Christian lives in line with straightforward scriptural principle. And I'm, I, I repeat that, straightforward scriptural principle. Not living in the way that someone thinks we ought to and feels that would be good for us but can demonstrate in line with scriptural principles uh, that we are not living our life uh, in line 
uh, in that way. And an elder was asked to have a word in your ear about it. <laughs> it's great. I can see little smiles coming on people's faces as, as they begin to think through what that could mean. Would you feel comfortable about it? Perhaps it was something that you were aware of, but decided to do nothing about. So again, we're not saying this is something that, that somebody's dreamed up as a good idea. Perhaps this is something that you've been worrying and troubled about yourself. But, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Even under those circumstances, we can decide to do nothing about it. And yet, it can be bringing down the law. Would you still want to recognise and support the eldership role under those circumstances? This... In case you're not aware, this bit we're going through now is Holy Spirit territory. And though it may seem that I'm reading from my notes, the Holy Spirit this morning was already beginning to work in people's lives. And as I looked around the people that were here, there was a couple of people dabbing handkerchiefs to their eyes, a few looking uh, a bit shifty, and all of us, because all of us know that this applies to us. Uh, and um, it's sort of quite an interesting thing. It's good to get eye contact. Um, I'm not sure it's very good when it's all coming back the other way, but it's good for someone standing up here to have eye contact. You see a lot of things, uh, and uh, they can be quite interesting. Speaking into our lives from the platform is one thing. But speaking into our lives on a one-to-one basis can be quite different and may bring the shutters down in rejection quite hard. Because I'm not suggesting that anyone here is going to be spoken of by an elder after the service. For one thing, there isn't one here. (laughs) So we'll have to whistle up an elder if we think someone needs speaking to. But I'm not suggesting that anyone here is going to be spoken to by an elder. Although only you know if you should be. Now this morning when I said that and looked up and waited for five seconds, the response coming back was quite energising. People were taking it on board. Yeah, we know whether we should or whether we shouldn't. And maybe you shouldn't. I'm not saying necessarily should. But tonight, of course, we're only considering a role. Also, if anyone thinks that I have never needed to be spoken to by an elder, I turned that around this morning and said, does anyone think that I have never needed to be spoken to by an elder? And the answer was, no, it was louder than that. (laughs) Nobody thought that I had never needed to be spoken to by an elder. You know, I have to be very careful at these points because I tend to give away secrets. And um, I'll just give you away a little one. One secret is when I was a young man, I wasn't as polite as I am now. And uh, me and three other young men of about the age of, I don't know, what were we, 20? Gloria knows already. I haven't told her, she knows already. We were spoken to by an elder and told that we had to go and see the chief elder uh, and give apologies for the way that we had spoken in the youth group about another elder. (laughs) 
So we were on the mat. And it is true, this other elder wasn't particularly um, our, our cup of tea, but then we were from the back streets and not many people were. And we kind of uh, were a bit a bit rude about this man. And um, some well-meaning person told him. <laughs> and that went, and praise God, that went round and um, we were told, uh, the three of us, that we had to go and present ourselves to this elder and apologise. Well... Three weeks went by, and um, there'd been no knock on this man's door, so we were told again, and we we realised that it had to happen. So um, along we went. Um, I, I, along we went. I went along three weeks later, and I was shown into this man's room, and he said, well, well, what have you got to say for yourself? And I said, well, you know, I was wrong. I was in the wrong. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a, the right thing to do, and as a, as a born-again believer, I shouldn't have done it. So I apologise. So he <laughs> said to me, oh, good. The other person is not going to come. And the third person said, he doesn't know what we're talking about. So it seems, David, <laughs> as though I've got the culprit on the mat. <laughs> so, it, so if any one of you thinks I haven't had to be spoken to by an elder, you'd be quite wrong. Uh, but that was in my long, distant youth. And I've done a lot of growing. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, in those intervening years. But I would say to you, that even in the last 10 years, and not, I have had to be spoken to by an elder. Uh, now, I'm not go- going to tell you what church it was in, but it wasn't this one. So it must have been more than 10 years. It must have been 12 years ago. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what the subject was. I'm going to tell you this, that they were godly men. And they were quite right. I did need to be spoken to. I've had my lessons to learn, dear friends. And I trust I have taken them on board gracefully and grown as a result. So, there's some new thinking about supporting eldership. Now, of course, if I wasn't going to support those elders, I would have walked out and gone to another church in a huff. But in actual fact, I listened to what they said, and you know what? I knew they were right. I knew they were right. Uh, And so I thank God for them, because they didn't... uh, but the role, they were prepared to talk to me, um, even though they thought they might be losing, th- initially, three young people out of the youth group. Or maybe uh, 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 later on, uh, the subject that uh, they needed to talk to me about, maybe they thought there was going to be confrontation and upset, but they spoke to me. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So I'm not going to say anything more about eldership because that's enough, <laughs> enough for you to take on board for tonight. But what about supporting yourself? Uh, I, I do need to say before we finish, please play, pray for the elders every day. It's part of your support role. And the enemy is not only getting at them but at their families for the role to which they've been anointed. So please pray for them. Staying with them every day. Um, it's a good thing to aim at. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, examine yourself, we're looking at supporting yourself, before taking communion. That's why I read that uh, part this morning, this evening. Um, In order to get yourself right before God as you come to his table. I think we did that. Well, I could see a lot of people um, acting on that verse. Uh, 
But I think we should examine ourselves much more regularly than that. How often do we come to the table? Is it, is it once a month? And, and we've got one in the morning as well. It's not enough. But it is examining ourselves is part of supporting ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, You haven't suffered any more temptation than anyone else because God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. And as again I looked around this morning, I noticed quite a few faces turned towards me and not very many uh, turned away. It was beginning, the Holy Spirit was beginning to touch people's hearts just with that part of that verse. God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear, but with every temptation, he will provide a way of escape. Isn't that some verse? So we, as we examine ourselves, we know what our sins and weaknesses are already. And God will provide a way of escape for the temptation which we are going to face. Remember that in, for the coming week. Hebrews 8, 10 to 11 tells us that God has put his laws into our minds. Now there were some tears at this point, I have to say, this morning. Uh, just gentle ones, but little dabby things going on there. Um, God uh, tells us God has put his laws into our heart and mind and written them. Let's get it right. His laws into our minds and written them on our hearts. So we know the difference between right and wrong. It's inescapable. Um, support yourself by guarding your heart. Oh. <laughs> Watch what goes in there. We know what's right and wrong. We know what we should be looking to and not looking at. What we should be listening to and not listening to. Um, watch what goes in there. You know, we've just read it, how God thinks. It's laws are on your heart, written on your minds. You know how God thinks. It's actually down to you and me to make the decisions. We can't escape that. We have a responsibility. Jesus took up his responsibility on the cross. We need to take up ours as we seek to live our lives honouring to him. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Support yourself. Someone once said to me, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? And there's lots of different answers to that. Um, but it's difficult for someone who's not heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, we know we don't necessarily hear it in volume. God lays things on our heart, but in such a way that they're absolutely, um, what's the word, you, you can't deny, undeniable. That he has spoken to you. And I have often said to people, get hold of you. I personalise my Psalms. Do you personalise your Bible? I personalise Psalms. This is what I uh, say to people they, they can do. Open the Psalms, read through them, and where something jumps out at you. In other words, you can read a, a couple of Psalms through and not much happens. You can read another Psalm through and suddenly you, you get in something. And I've said, when you, when you get that, underline it. Sorry if you don't agree with marking in your Bible, but I do in mine. And then when you've gone through the... And, and I also put down what I think is a uh, significant psalm. Um, so I've got, I've got psalms that I've underlined things in, 
And I've got other psalms which I think are significant psalms. And I said, when you've done all of that, read through again, but only the bits you've underlined and that are significant. You'll be hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's It's an interesting exercise. You'll be listening to God. You'll be getting to know who God is and how he wants to interact with you. So, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will be nudging you from the inside, always reminding you of what you already know is right and wrong. Put simply then, support yourself by doing the right thing. It's not difficult, is it? But there's all those supporting scriptures there to help us uh, uh, in our need. And when you need help, come and get it. There are elders here that will... Not take you to one side and give you the right act, hopefully. But there are others here who will sit and pray with you and stand alongside you. There's members of the prayer team that will be only too pleased to pray with you. There's a leadership board coming, leadership team board coming with pictures of uh, all of them um, so that you'll know who you can, who you can't go to. And then, of course, there is the everyday a uh, friend of ours, maybe, or who comes to the church, who we can uh, trust, hopefully, and have a word with. Right, you're two-thirds of the way through, so that's not bad, is it? Supporting the elders we've looked at, supporting yourself we've looked at. What about supporting others? Well, here's a, way not, here's a couple of ways not to support others that we looked at this morning. A wife said to her husband... I'm feeling low. Say something nice to me. Something that makes me feel like a woman. So the husband said, you can't park your car. (laughs) Now, when we said this this morning, I said to people, please don't jump on me straight away. We had an incident right outside there on Friday where um, uh, a lovely lady um, drew up her car uh, next to the curb but overdid it and actually crunched her tyre out on the curb, which wasn't a very good demonstration of parking. But <laughs> it's not a very good way of supporting someone, is it? When they, especially when they are asking you to be nice. Her husband, just to put it around the other way, um, said to his wife, he was looking for sympathy, darling, I've crashed the car, burnt the dinner, and blown up the gas cooker. What do you think of me? Would you like to answer that question? (laughs) And the wife said to the husband, go away, you're bad news. It's not very supportive, is it? Do you know, we do it. Not very supportive. Or another thing that's not very supportive, I keep every confidence. It's the people I tell them to who can't. Is that very supportive? Deadly. It's deadly. Um, So do we have to be taught how to support? You think so? Does anyone else think so? See, I don't. Isn't that interesting? I take your point. I've just read out three aspects where somebody clearly needs teaching. But as a general uh, point um, of supporting... um, do we need to be I'm a firm believer in this kingdom principle that some things don't have to be taught. So we're talking about some things. Uh, they come with knowing Jesus. 
Can I say that again? Some things don't have to be taught. They come with knowing Jesus. Of course, you have to know Jesus in order that, for that to be true. And that, again, was quite an interesting point in this morning's service as I looked around. You don't have to be taught everything about Jesus. You should know some things automatically. Because when he comes into your life and into your heart, Holy Spirit enlightens you and begins that lovely relationship we've had. And so there are things that we don't have to be taught. There are other things, Chris, which we do. A Pharisee, when testing Jesus over which was the greatest commandment, was told by Jesus of two Old Testament verses. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And we really try to look into that this morning. Just what does that mean? Loving God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Is that not total commitment? That's what we've been asked to do. Leviticus 19, love your neighbour as yourself. Now we, we, we explored and unpacked a lot of that and we haven't got time to do it again this evening. But we're really saying that loving others are reflections of how much we love Jesus. Or are they? I think they are. Loving others are reflections of how much we love Jesus. So I wonder... I can't help laughing, I know what's coming next. I wonder, are you going to contact someone who is not here tonight? Mm, There's a lot of people away tonight. Or is this the time for you, me, to think of all the reasons why it's impossible to do so? I think I hear the sound of the rubber hitting the road. And uh, I'm probably getting more popular by the minute. (laughs) Great, but sometimes if you can't make contact with a person, you can make contact with God. And you can pray for them. And dear friends, uh, if we're doing all these things, please tick the boxes and don't be offended. If we're not, don't tick the boxes and be offended. (laughs) And there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a shake-up, is there? Great. Um, so making contact when was the last time you realised that someone didn't show up on Sunday when was the last time you realised someone hadn't shown up for some time when was the last time you inquired or asked about someone who hadn't shown up now you might be able to tick all those boxes but if you haven't, maybe we should be, you should be, that should be one of the things you're thinking about. I'll tell the elders if, if, uh, if anyone's got a problem in that direction. Where are they, some of these people? Uh, how are they? Are they okay? Are they fed up? Are they unwell? Our life group often sends cards to those we haven't seen for some time. We also send cards full of signatures to those who aren't even in our life group, but who haven't been, uh, uh, who we haven't seen in church for some time. Not just those that are unwell. It's easy to, to send something to someone who's not well, because someone usually says something from the front, or you know, it becomes obvious. But what about those who've been absent who aren't unwell, and who we have no good reason to know why they're absent? Do we contact them? 
We have never yet sent a card without receiving a thank you back. And uh, sometimes um, in, our, in our life group, we have to wait 10 minutes because there's four cards going around the tables for people to fill in. It's a wonderful ministry. John 13, love one another as I have loved you. That also applies to those that are outside the church who aren't Christians. And you know of the card that was sent to the wrong person, do you? The card was sent to a Wendy. I think it was Wendy. And um, <laughs> we thought it was to the sister of someone in our life group. But the person who we gave the card to to send had a different Wendy in mind and sent it to somebody who was a friend of somebody in the church uh, and who wasn't a Christian. And that went to that person with all the God's blessings, few verses, uh, um, signatures. And uh, the person stood up, I think about three weeks ago now, and said, I've had, my, my sister's had this, no, um, my friend has had this lovely card from people, she said to me, who don't know me, from a church I've never been to, from people I would thought, why should they care for me? And yet they've sent this wonderful card. And she was saying, I think I'd better think it out again. Isn't that amazing? Now, that was a God thing, because she wasn't even supposed to get the card. God thought differently. God is showing us through uh, these things that his ways uh, are fruitful. Wonderful. Uh, And also, you know, um, uh, so by this, by this was her reception of it shall all men know that you are my disciples okay when you have love one for another cards with God bless on this is ideas for supporting people now some people have said to me you shouldn't put God bless on so I said why not oh it offends people well let them be offended (laughs) but I mean once, we've, once I've packed up work, I went back part-time into um, um, a workshop, is all I can describe. And there was a, an overseer, a manager there, and he was a big guy. And he was a, uh, a boastful guy. He was not a nice guy to be around, putting people down always. Uh, and um, it, as it happened, as it would, he, he was always given birthday cards from lots of people on the work floor, shop floor when it was his birthday. You know, it's Apple for the teacher and all that. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll get in on this. I'll send him birthday card. And at the bottom, I always put, God bless. And after about three years, I don't know what it was, I left. Uh, he said, I'm sorry to see you go, David. So I said, why is that? He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And not a word had been spoken apart from that. And I said, oh, knowing, of course, how God works. Oh, how did you know that? Because you always put God bless on the bottom of your card. That man had been affected. And he said to me, um, I've only known one true Christian in my entire life. And that was a, an older lady who had taken uh, care of him when he was a boy. And he was a bit of a scoundrel as well. But he loved that lady. And she was a Christian. And she was, in his mind, what a real Christian should be. And uh, that's what he said to me. Now, we hadn't had any chats or discussions or anything else it's the power of God when we are acting under the Holy Spirit's guidance and influence it is amazing what can be done right so I need to 
think in terms of finishing. Matthew 22 and 13, they're not just cosy suggestions, but they show that God is in deadly earnest. The, the thing I finish with is a South American pastor. We had, we had two shots at this this morning. Um, we had something up on the screen, uh, but the other was a, an incident of a South American pastor who decided to test out his congregation um, and how much they cared for the less socially acceptable folk in the community outside his church. One Sunday morning, he dressed up as a tramp and sat on the floor outside his church door. He'd grown a beard, especially for the occasion. He wore his gardening clothes and he stood in the smoke of a bonfire. So he looked the part, he certainly smelt the part, <laughs> and to all intents and purposes, he was the genuine article. And you all know where this is going, don't you? Way before I got there. No? Right. <laughs> um, he wanted to test the reaction of his church, and that reaction was to just walk past him, and they didn't recognise him at all, and into the church. Now, we mustn't be judgmental on this, but maybe they did it through fear. Fear of confrontation. That's fair enough. No? We do when we see people sit on the street or on seats. You know, we do have a fear of confrontation, some of us. Fear of catching something. Well, we all know what that's like right now, don't we? Fear of being dragged into something uh, and out of our comfort zone, is this going to mean a commitment that is more than just, hello, good morning? You know, Am I going to get involved here? Fear of that. Fear of not being able to handle it. Embarrassment. That's a very real fear. That's fair enough. Well, many of them, I have to say, must have had a fear of something. Because all of them walked by. Now, the pastor wasn't suggesting that members of his church should necessarily try and help these people as individuals. Maybe two or three of them, it was in South America, could have got together and offered, offered him a cold cup of water, which you all know in a very hot country is very, very well appreciated. Not just doing something by themselves, but thinking about it, caring about it. And I would say part of our supporting others is to recognise their gifts, their abilities. There are people in this church that sit out in that cafe who could be doing things and would be doing things if they're asked. I'm not condemning anyone, I'm just telling you like it is. Because we're all involved in this. Uh, and um, the children this morning read. The children from the um, community kids um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say Sunday school. I'm not allowed to say that anymore. The community kids were upstairs. They, somebody has thought, let's give them an opportunity of doing something. Let's recognise the, the abilities. And so every so often now, they're on the, um, they're on the, the, the Bible reading rotor for the morning church. So we'll get them standing up once a month or once every six weeks. Recognising people's gifts and giving them opportunities supporting others can mean valuing and encouraging each other and you've you've heard me say this so many times before seeing jesus in each other people know when you look at someone they know what's in that look 
And if we see Jesus in each other, that's infectious. It's not always the look I get back. (laughs) Perhaps I haven't perfected it yet. But genuinely seeing and valuing Jesus in each other is so important and so valuable to everybody. Recognising that he loves and died for them as he loved and died for you. You're not that special, nor am I, in the sense that Jesus died for us all. He didn't, and some of us think, he died just for me. Maybe we see that in our hymns sometimes. But the fact is, he died for us all. And he loves us all. And I I have to say this, that uh, one of the messages that's always screamed out to me from the cross is, I could never be ashamed of you. It's a lovely thought. Jesus dying for our sins. One of the things he was saying is that, yes, I'm dying for your sins. And the reason, I could never be ashamed of you. This is the reason I came. So why do we sometimes act as though we're ashamed of some others who are perhaps less attractive? And that's where we finish. So we've had a really good look at that ninth aspect of supporting in our list. Eldership, so important. Each other, I'm sorry, ourselves, so important. One of the most undervalued aspects of this, uh, uh, this aspect of supporting is that we don't support ourselves enough. We don't record. Do you know, there's a lovely um, clip that I watch sometimes about uh, Moses and coming out of Egypt and sort of things. And one of the songs that they sing is, Look at Yourself Through Heaven's Eyes. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, song. And uh, we don't look at ourselves through heaven's eyes enough. Otherwise, we wouldn't condemn ourselves perhaps so much. Otherwise, once we get rid of that condemnation, all right, we need forgiveness. But once we get rid of that condemnation, we grow our relationship, we grow our relationship, we grow our commitment. It goes on, 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 on. Look at yourselves. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you know how God sees you? Interesting thing to think through. Look at others through heaven's eyes. Look at yourself through heaven's eyes. And so, as the Lord sends us to support others in this church or community, so he sends his Holy Spirit to support us. Thank you, Chris.